tonight is, um, do we really want the Lord? And so, do we really want the Lord? And you might even be more specific and say, do I really want the Lord? And I think a question tonight on a Wednesday night like this, we would all say, well, well, of course, right? We want forgiveness and we want protection and we want the Lord to be with us. And, and those things are all things the Lord gives to us. His protection, He offers salvation. But do we want Him? And you say, well, that goes hand in hand, what God gives me and who God is. Well... Who God is, is something special, even if He never gives us anything. And I think that's something that we as churches, and we as believers, have struggled with. We've struggled with explaining it. We've struggled with teaching it. And so truly, when you think about the discussion that we have with people, right? Do you want to go to heaven, or do you want to go to hell? Right? That's how the conversations happen a lot with people. Well, that's heaven is something that God offers to us, right? And But after we're saved, we realize that the greatest part about heaven is the fact that, that the Lord is there, right? That His presence is there. The Bible says that there will be no need for the Son, that we will be able to worship Him. And, and if you read the book of Isaiah and you read the book of Revelation and you read what Isaiah says and what... John says about the presence of God and how amazing and wonderful it is. It, it, it really shows us that it's, that it's Him. And, right, and I've, I've, I've been guilty of this, and, and, and I, I think we probably all have right that when we go through a funeral line and, and someone's lost a loved one, you know, it's, we're going to get to see them again. And right, don't, don't you want to be right with God so that you can see your loved one again? And that is very, very true but I want to go to heaven even if my family's not there. And I've had people tell me, I'm not going to heaven if my people family doesn't go there. Or this line that's just not scriptural at all, right? Well, all my friends are going to be in hell, so that's where I'm going to go too. I've heard that numerous times from people that are, that are hell raisers, right? And they say, well, I'll just go down there and hang out with all my friends. And I'm thinking, you have no idea that that's not how it's going to be. And, um, and so even our perception of, of heaven and hell and eternal life and eternal damnation is all wrapped up in the us when truly that's not it at all, right? The reason that the lost cannot go to heaven is because why? God will not allow sin into His presence. And so, right, people are cast away because they have not been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, by given the imputed righteousness of Christ. And so tonight I ask you that, do we really want Him or His presence? And, and for me personally tonight, and I, I want you personally to ask that question, do I want God's presence? Do I want Him in my life? Because if you remember where we're at in the book of Jeremiah, and the city has fallen, and there was this uh, coup attempted coup of the ruler that the um, king of Babylon had put on the throne and then they had killed or went after him and he fled and, and now they're afraid that Nebuchadnezzar, Nezer, however you say it, is, is going to respond and going to come after them. And, and so they have begun to prepare to do what? To run to Egypt, to flee. And something happens that is so typical of us as people. And so if I'm titling this first point tonight, I want you to write this down. People will seek the Lord's protection, but not His presence. Or you could write it like this. People will seek the Lord's blessing, but not who He is. And so if you have been following with us in Jeremiah... Jeremiah told them over and over again that if you'll just submit and if you won't rebel, you will stay in the promised land. You will not be destroyed. But they would not listen, would they? And the city's been destroyed. And so listen to what it says here in verses 1 through 6 and be thinking about people will seek the Lord's protection but not His presence. You could also title it 
people run to the idea of God when disaster strikes. Think about the Sunday after 9-11. There were people in church that you hadn't seen in years. Some of those people even made it two weeks. But by the end of the month, what would you say? 90% of those people at least were gone. You see, they sought the Lord, the idea of the Lord in difficulty. I cannot tell you how many times I've had people... Um, come to church and be like, you know, we're facing cancer and we just need someone to pray for us and we want God to heal and, and then God will heal and, and, and bless them. And it's like, oh, we don't have any need for God now. We got His blessing. We don't need Him. Or how many times a mother has came to this church and said, I would love to have children, but we can't have kids. And I have seen God open the womb at least 10 times when a doctor has said, you cannot have kids. And as soon as those kids get here and life gets busy, those blessings that God has given them, they sign them up for everything other than what? The worship of God. And so I want you to listen here in verses 1 through 6. And I want to read verse 18 just because it sets the reason behind the why. In verse 18 of chapter 41 because of the Chaldeans, for they were afraid of them. Because Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had murdered Gedaliah, the son of Hakim, whom the king of Babylon had made governor in the Lord. Fear drove them to what comes next. In verse 1, Now, the captains, now all the captains of the forces, Johanan, the son of Korea, Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet. He had been absent, right, in the last chapter. Please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many, as you can see that the Lord your God, not the Lord our God, don't miss that, may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, Let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Can I tell you what I honestly feel like if I was Jeremiah? If they'd have said that to me, I would have thrown up in my mouth. Because for 41 chapters, 40, right? What's God say to us? This is what God says. I ain't listening to that. What's God say to us? This is what God says. I ain't listening to that. Even the king, right, snuck in to see Jeremiah. What's God got to say to us? This is what God's got to say to you. I ain't listening to that. And here they are in a complete mess. They're afraid of the Babylonians. They're afraid of what's going to happen. And they come to Jeremiah. And you know they had to be sincere, right? You know they had to be emotional. They had to be passionate. They, they had to be all these things. And Jeremiah, whatever God says are in verses 5 and 6, whether it's pleasing to us, displeasing to us, whatever it is, we'll do it. I mean, do you, do you see the hypocrisy in this? I think that is why the Bible teaches us so much. And I actually just was having this conversation that as, that as a pastor that the qualifications for a pastor are abundantly clear. They're, they're not negotiable. They're not uh, suggestions. They are, I believe, requirements. 
because the hypocrisy of me preaching to you about um, a sin that I have allowed to take root in my life and not deal with it, it's just it's it's hypocrisy, right? I I have heard so many times people say, well. Well, I would never talk bad about someone and, and I watch what it does to damage it does when someone talks bad about someone and, and I, I'm just not that kind of person. I don't ever talk about people. You know what I can tell you about people that say that? They're the worst. If you have to tell people that you won't do something, guess what you probably have a problem doing? The very thing you have to convince people that you don't do. All of us can talk about people. All of us can say things and say, oh, <laughs> might be true, but shouldn't be said. For some reason, this happens every time my neighbor comes across the street, Ben Hampson. Every time we get to talking about something, almost every time, and you can ask him this, he leaves, I have to end up texting him like, you know what, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it was true, but I probably should have just kept that to myself. Well, you, I didn't think nothing of it, Jake. You don't have to apologize to me. I'm not apologizing to you because I'm worried about you. <laughs> I'm apologizing to you because I'm worried about him. And it can happen. And how easy it is to do. But think about this. It's, it's like the person that you love that has struggled with something and they've apologized to you, right? And then they go out and do it again. And then they apologize to you. And they go out and do it again. And they apologize. At some point, their apology means what? Nothing. And if you're Jeremiah, you've got to be thinking, you people are awful. Why would I even pray? You're not going to listen. But look at the spiritual maturity of Jeremiah in verse 4. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed, I will pray to the Lord. Do you remember what Samuel did after the children of Israel had rejected him as their leader? <laughs> he tells them that he will continue to what? Pray for them and to teach them. If I'm Samuel, I'm saying, you said you didn't want me. I was old. My kids are heathens. You don't think I'm doing a good job? Take your king and enjoy what you've got. But he didn't. And so I want you to see here that people will seek the Lord's protection but not His presence. And the question I have for you tonight is, are you willing to seek His presence regardless of what has come your way? You see, Jeremiah could have said, I don't want to seek the Lord's presence in prayer. I don't want to seek the Lord's presence and what He has to say to these people. I've done my part. I'm doing no more. And so tonight I want you to see here that even when people come to the idea of God or the idea of wanting to hear from God, regardless of their past, regardless of their baggage, regardless of how many times you've heard this song and dance, you are not responsible for being the judge and the jury and the executioner. Jeremiah could have said, which it wouldn't have been 41 chapters in Jeremiah's day, but it had been time, right? He could have said, all these years I've had this conversation with you. I'm not having it anymore. See, that's why I'm so thankful that God is long-suffering. I'm thankful that He is willing to forgive and 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 to forgive. And so tonight I want you to take two things from that away. People will seek the Lord's protection but not His presence. But it's not your job to question the motives of why people come. Now you can be a fruit inspector. Not a problem with that. The Bible tells us too. But motives are above your pay grade. And they're above mine. Jeremiah did what God asked him to do regardless of his history with these people. Regardless of the way they've hurt him. Do you ever wonder if some of these people were the people cheering for him to be thrown into the pit? Do you ever just think, this is how my mind works, right? Do you ever think that maybe some of them were throwing food and mocking him when he was in the stocks? Do you think maybe some of these people were cheering when they arrested him and falsely accused him of abandoning the nation of Israel? And here they come, beat and broken and having nothing. Say, Jeremiah, one more time. 
would you go to God on our behalf? I'd have said, and I'm just telling you the truth. You can think whatever you want about how spiritual you are. I'd have said, you got what was coming to you, and it's about stinking time. That's exactly right. That's exactly. But I'm, my flesh can be that way no matter what God says. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And that's why it's so important tonight that I want you to think about the Lord's presence in your life and in mine. Because the Lord's presence in my life and in yours trumps everything. Emotions, feelings, all of that tonight. But that's why it's so important that Jeremiah had spent time with the Lord because none of us in our flesh says, oh, absolutely, I'd love to forgive you one more time. I'd love to be there for you one more time. But yet the Lord was working in Jeremiah's life. And so thoughts. Have you ever seen this to be true? Have you seen that in your own life? Because I don't want us to pick on other people tonight because that's easy to do, right? But I think we've all been guilty of that, right? Drifted from the Lord a little bit in, in prosperity. And then when it all hits the fan, what do we do? Right back. Right? And I, and I think I, I'm guilty of that. I've seen it in churches, right? We usually don't have all-night prayer meetings until what happens? It all falls apart, right? Why don't we have all-night prayer meetings once a month? Anybody ever think about that? I'm not trying to be cruel. It's just... We've got revival coming up. Why haven't we had a one? Man, it's my fault. I'm, I'm pointing the finger at me tonight because, but right, but when it all hits the fan, that's when we pray. I remember when we prayed for days for Jace. We prayed the same way for Stephen. Thankful that we prayed that way just recently. But why does it take it all falling apart when there's lost people dying around us all the time? Families struggling with cancer every week, but when it hits close to home, right, it drives us to the Lord. And that's those of us who are saved, let alone people who don't have the presence of God in their life, that don't have the assurance and security of God. And so think about that in your own life and in mine, that when God sends us people who are in the middle of the storm, regardless if they come for the wrong reasons, it's amazing how God can take their original intention, not intent, intention, is that the right word? Intentions and use it to change their lives. How many times do you think a guy ever came to church because some pretty girl's parents came to church and he wanted them to think that he was a pretty good person and that the Lord saves them, right? Or, or, or vice versa. And so tonight I just really want you to think about that, that we should never judge the motives of why God brings us people. But two, we should never get into a place where we seek the things of God and not God. Thoughts? All right. Second thing I want to show you tonight. God gives them the results before they have to make their choice. And don't miss this. God gives them the results before they make their choice. I was having lunch this week, um, and uh, or breakfast this week at at at, fair, at, um, at uh, where was I having breakfast at Gary this week? Uh, Hampson's, yeah. And Gary was in there, and we were all talking about the stock market, and and I was talking about a stock that I had bought, Dollar General, and uh, and I had bought it low, and I had sold it for a fairly nice profit until I realize what the stock is today, right? You buy it at 75, you sell it at 90-something, you think, I'm loaded. Until you look and it's, two, what was it, 200 and, $200, and you go, <coughs> it, it just causes everything in you to just quench. And uh, if someone had told me that that's going to be $200, I'd have bought a whole lot more of it, and I wouldn't have what? Sold it. And you say, yes, Jake, but that's how all of life is. God tells them, this will be the result of this choice and this will be the result of this choice before they ever made it. God gives them the results before they make their choice. And listen to how they choose and how this unfolds. 
And it happened after ten days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then he called Johanan, the son of Korea, all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, that affirming statement that this is God speaking, not Jeremiah. The God of Israel to whom you sent me to present your petition before Him, if you will still remain in the land, then I will build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you. For I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him, says the Lord. Read that with me. For I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. He tells him right here, this is what will happen if you will remain. Well, that's a pretty simple choice, right? They just said, whatever God tells us, we'll do it. But now listen in verse 13. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, saying... No, but we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor be hungry for bread, and there we will dwell. Then hear now the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. So he tells them the motives of why they're trying to make this decision because God knows the heart. And then he goes on and says... Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If you wholly set your face to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. The famine of which you were afraid shall follow close after you in Egypt, and there you shall die. So shall it be with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to dwell there. They shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. And none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury have been poured out on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. And you shall be an oath and an astonishment a curse and a reproach, and you shall see this no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of, Israel, of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. God reveals their motives. God reveals the warning by telling them this is going to happen. God reminds them of the evidence. He says, I'll do to you there what I just did to you here. And then he gives them specific instructions. Don't. And I know it's easy sometimes to read this book, this wonderful book, and say, I would have never done that. I would have I not done that. And I think that's very foolish of us. Because today, all of us know that God knows the heart. The Bible makes it clear, right? That man judges by what? Outer appearances, but God knoweth and searches the heart. So we all know that. God reveals our motives to us. Two, God warns us. And He even warns us better now than He did then. How? Through the person and work of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, right? We have a whole book to show us how God judges, how God forgives. We have a whole book that talks about the love and mercy and grace of God. How He is long-suffering to generations. How, how He is 
long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. But yet in this same book, it talks about the wrath of God against His enemies and how He is so holy and perfect that He has to punish sin. We see it. He shows us our motives. He warns us through the Holy Spirit. He reminds us through His Word. And then He commands us, right? To repent. To repent. And so today, when when I struggle in my own life, when you struggle in your own life, we might not know exactly how it's going to work out, but we know enough to know that sin always has what? And that God always blesses obedience. But yet the flesh struggles, doesn't it? We all struggle. You see, God even tells them their motive was fear. They were terrified of the Babylonians. And our fear looks different today. Some of it's fear for all that's going on in the world, whether it's political. Some of it's fear for our health with the COVID situation and other things. Sometimes it's fear of how could I provide for my family if I lose this job for standing up for what's right. I know that my wife and I had that discussion when we had the discussion about whether she was going to be a stay-at-home mom or not. And, uh, you know, you, all you ever hear is, well, you can't be a one-income family. It just doesn't work. You, you, ha- you both have to work. And, and I'm not in any way speaking evil of whether you work or don't work. It's a family decision for everyone. And, and, um, and um, I think the only one on the committee that hired me that's here tonight is Gary. Gary was the chairman of the committee that hired me, so if you don't like it, you can yell at him. And uh, so, no, I'm kidding. He was the chairman, but don't yell at him. Um, and uh, I can remember saying, all I would like is enough so that she can stay home. And the church has always taken very good, taken, sorry, sorry, taken very good care of me. And, and I'm thankful for that. And, uh, and uh, hopefully you know that I don't do what I do because of the money, but I'm thankful that you pay me and that my wife can stay home. And if I'd known Joe Biden was going to send me so much money, I'd have worked less. And, and But no, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's, that's a whole, anyway... No, that's a, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But um, and so she's been able to stay home, and 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 uh, and I'm thankful for that. And and that's the decision we've made. And the Lord has has blessed us for that. And and I'm sure that's a conversation the Morbers had when when Jennifer or Jessica quit work here a few years ago and started homeschooling. I'm sorry about the name, Jessica, and uh, that you guys probably had right. A, you know, a whole it's a whole new world and. And so I just, I think we all have those decisions and and we have to trust God. Maybe it's the decision you made that, hey, I'm going to go back to work and I need to find someone that's going to watch and care for this gift that God has given me. And and who's going to do that in a a world of crazy people, right? And, And so I just, I really want you to think that tonight that there cannot be a time when the fear of things, the fear of life drives the decision that you make because God is able to provide in every situation above our request. And so thoughts tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's something that I think the Bible teaches, right? The, the Bible even says that if you say that you have no sin, what does the second part of that verse say? You're a liar and? Yeah, and that the truth of God is not in you. And so I know this is, this is getting pretty close to home, but when someone tells me, and so when someone says, well, I go to a church that believes that you can live a perfect life, I'm like, well, you don't go to a church. It's not a church because it says the truth of God is not in you. It means the truth is God, not, God is not in your church. It's not in, in your services. Now, can people have that belief and be in regular Bible-believing churches? Well, absolutely. Because there are people that come to this church that believe some of the dumbest things I've ever heard that our church doesn't believe. And it doesn't matter how many times I preach about it or talk about it or share it. They're like, oh, I don't care. I still, you know, I was raised that way. Grandma believed that. And that's the way I'm going to believe when I get to heaven. And I'm like, well, I wish I'd be there when God told you you were wrong. But then I have to be reminded that God's going to tell me that I've got things wrong when I get to heaven. And like John MacArthur says, if I knew what was wrong in my beliefs, I would, I would try to change them. But I don't know if I would or not because I can be pretty prideful and what I believe, if you want to know the truth. But I just really want you to think about that, that God gave them the results that would happen, and yet they still... I have, ooh, whoa, I haven't, we haven't talked about their choice, have we? Oh, 
man, I got ahead of it, got the cart in front of the, the whatever pulls the cart. So, I'm not sure, the tractor or the horse. Yeah. So, but other thoughts. So, third thing I want to show you tonight. Oh. I enjoy teaching the Word of God. I just don't like doing it and making a fool of myself sometimes. Uh, God's Word should be obeyed even if it's not what we think it should be. God's Word should be obeyed even if it's not what we think it should be. Or it could be said like this, God's Word should be obeyed even if I don't agree with it. Look what it says here in verses 1 through 7 of the 43rd chapter. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God. Did you notice that? It's not your anymore. It's their. For which the Lord their God had sent to them all these words. That Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, Johanan, the son of Kariah, and all the... What's that word? Huh? Proud, if you got the New King James Version. I don't know what the other translations say. Arrogant. Others. Is there anything different that your Bible uses there? And all the proud or arrogant men spoke. You know that's going to bode well, right? If that's what the writer puts in there. <laughs> saying to Jeremiah, those three words, how many times do you think he's heard those in his ministry? You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch, Baruch, the son of Neriah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Korea, all the captains of the forces, and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnants of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah from all the nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Achim, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the prophet, and Baruch, the son of Neriah. So they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And they went as far as Taphnanes. <laughs> if I'm Jeremiah, I'm going, Oh! Are you kidding me? We just had this discussion over and over and over and over and over. And not only are you going to go into sin, what did they do to Jeremiah? They took him by force with him. Talk about being drug along because of someone else's sin. And what do they do? the one thing they said they wouldn't do. We won't argue with God. We won't, we'll do it. doesn't matter what it says. At least they let Him finish speaking. Did you notice that? Sometimes sin will control you so much that you won't even listen. But they let Him finish speaking and called Him a liar. Told Him He wasn't a prophet speaking for God. I mean, I think it's one thing to be Someone doesn't listen to you, right? That happens all the time. I live with a house full of females. Very few people listen to me in my house. But it's another thing when they don't listen and they call you a liar. But it's another thing when they don't listen to you, they call you a liar, and they say you're not speaking for God, which means you're a false prophet. And when, by saying what you're a false prophet is that you're under the judgment of God and that you are not a follower of God. 
That's even more. Right there. And so tonight I want you to think about the Word of God in your life and maybe those areas where the Bible speaks to something that you're just not willing to agree with God on. Maybe it's how you manage your money. Maybe it's how you spend your time. Maybe it's how you love your spouse. Maybe it's the difficulties of relationships at work. Whatever it may be, where do you and God's Word not line up? Because if God's Word and I, or God's Word and you, do not line up, there is one person to blame. And it's not the inspired, inerrant, infallible, living Word of God. You say, Jake, but is there ever a time that the Bible's wrong and I'm right? No. You say, there's never a time when the Bible... No. You say, but what... Now, look up here. I believe that the Bible is without error. That means in Genesis, the first chapter... In the beginning meant in the beginning. I think that in the sixth chapter of Genesis, when they begin to build a boat that is bigger than any boat that's ever been built at this time, that God gave them the instructions. I believe in the seventh chapter of Genesis when God flooded the earth, that He flooded the whole earth, and that only the people on the ark survived. And I believe as you turn this page from page to page, book to book, there are no errors. No mistakes. And that if God's Word doesn't make sense, it's not on God's end. It's on mine. And that's why I believe all the way through when it talks about a dead man coming to life out of a tomb. I don't know if you've never noticed it, but I've never seen a person come out of the grave at that cemetery over there. And I walk the cemetery when I'm stressed until we put new gravel down and I can't walk over there anymore. That old gravel was beat down so much it was like concrete. I'd just walk the lap and I'd walk back. I thought this is the only group of Baptists that ever doesn't argue with me right here. And, uh, <laughs> and sometimes they have as much life as our Sunday service. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Someone said, yeah, the preaching's just as good out there as it is in here. <laughs> But now that we put... Yeah. I'd be, I, don't, I don't know. Sometimes I'd be more shocked getting one in here. But no. no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But that new gravel we put out there because we wanted to... Anyway, it's, it's you know, I got these fancy shoes on and I can't be walking in the gravel. And, uh, but um, I don't know where I was going. Oh, yeah, I know where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got sidetracked there. And how many times I've, I've prayed and... and I know what the Bible says, right? I know what the Bible says, but if I, we do what the Bible says, this person's going to be angry or this person's going to go in the community or this person's going to be upset or this could happen. And, and I can find myself walking that and walking back and walking and saying, Lord, I know this is what we should do. I know this is what we do, but, but this person is close to this family and if they get upset, then, then they might take this family and if, if this family gets upset, they're already upset about all these other things, then who knows what they'll do. And, and you say, Jake, I can't believe that you, you, you do that. And I think there's two reasons. One, I think part of it is fear. I think all of us have fear. But two, I also think that if we don't consider the consequences of our actions, even when it's the right thing and how it can be misconstrued, that we don't really love people. Right? How many of us have said the truth and realized after you said it that you shouldn't have said anything at all? Okay, I'm the only one. That's not a problem. Okay? Right? Or you said it at the wrong time. Or you said the right thing the wrong way. And that happens in church. It happens with the decisions churches make. It happens in the in the, in the sermons that we have, I make comments in sermons and think, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Man, I wish I had went about that differently. But yet we still must trust that God's Word is true and should be obeyed. Thoughts? Well, especially if, you, it was, if your Bible has a map or not, you can see it, that it's, it's right up there. Yeah, but it's right up here 
Uh, it's just it's north of the Red Sea, and it's just right there on the edge of the water from the Mediterranean. And it's just right, like you said, you you leave Judah and Bessa and Lachiza. Yeah, it's kind of like when when you like our girls, three of them have to have puddle jumpers still. And if you don't know what a puddle jumper is, they're the greatest invention of all time for kids and water. My little one jumps in the pool with a puddle jumper on and just she's good to go. And it's the craziest thing. And I'm going, get her, get her, right? Because I'm having a, you know, I have, a, I don't know, I'm, just, I'm, getting, old, I'm getting old and, and scared of everything. But, and it's just no fear. But, but before that, when we tell them you can't get in without a puddle jumper, you know what they do? They go as far from the water as they can and just sit down, right? Oh, no. They go right up to that pool. They get right on that ladder, and they're like, I wonder if the water's cold. I wonder if the water's hot. The girls splash me. Well, don't be standing next to the pool, right? You'll even see them sit down because they won't fall in and maybe even try to put their foot in. And I'm like, get away from the water, right? Just dabble a little bit. And I think we're all guilty of that with sin, aren't we? Well, I'll just, I'll just watch this movie. It's got a little bit of bad language in it, but, you know, it's not as bad as some movies. Or, you know, and for us, this is a thing that's a big pet peeve of mine is I will not watch a television show with homosexuality in it. I don't care if it's a movie. I don't care what it is. I'm not watching it. Not, well, not one character anymore. And you say, well, Jake, I won't watch any television. Well, read your Bible. There's your answer. Um, and, and I just believe that because I believe it is something that is it's wrong. I believe it is. It is. It's just anyway. It's a whole other story for a whole other sermon. But, but yet, how many times? Well, you know, if I don't watch something with that in it, I won't watch anything. Or how about anyway? I won't go on the list of all the things the way. I, I got lots of them that I'd love to. But uh, you know, it's like country music singers. I'll do one more of them. And I love the fall festival, and I'm so happy they're bringing in all these big stars that were that were cool when you all were young. But. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, shoot. I could have said that you're all so old they weren't even cool when you were young. I could have been. And they can all sing gospel music, right? And they've all probably got a gospel CD out. But then you listen to their other songs that they sing, and they are filthy, right? And they're wicked. And I didn't even, even know until one of the groups was until Lucas started just telling me the lyrics to one of them. I was like, oh, I know that song, but I don't know that song because I listen to it now, right? And and uh, but apparently he does, sinner. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm kidding. But that, that's how it is. And yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just teasing. But, but that's how it is, isn't it? It's like, how can you sing about Jesus in one song and, and talk about running around on your wife and getting drunk and, and all these things in the same... My Bible says that out of a spring, you can't do what? Produce two kinds of water, can you? It's either no good or it's... Now, that's not saying that a, a country music singer couldn't have had a past and got right with God and then sang for the Lord. Now I'm starting to meddle, ain't I? I, I don't care. I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm ready to go, right? I got my new radio put in my pickup truck for one reason. It picks up Spotify. And so Jay Gray and his truck is cruising to some Gaithers, all right? And rolling through town, cruising to the Gaithers. And uh, my neighbor, Ben Hampson, even texted me and said, do they have radio stations that just have hymns on it? I'm like, I don't know, but I got Spotify. That's as good as it gets. And, uh, but I listen to new music too. But there was a day when I would drive through town, and it wasn't Christian music, right? It was who knows what it was now that I think back about it, but... Right, that, so I just want you to think about that, how easy it is for us to just dabble in sin. And so let's look here in verses 8 through 13 because we're going to see that God can work. And I don't want, I'm, I'm going to try to be quick because I'm running out of time and I'm sorry about that. I got, went down too many rabbit holes tonight. Yeah. Everybody's going, I got all them, them CDs and eight tracks from the notice. <laughs> Or 78, is that what was before eight tracks? No, I'm just... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like George Johns, do you remember who George Johns was, the bass singer for the cathedrals? He was in his 70s and he'd say, I just love old people. <laughs> oh, but anyway, God can work in your life even when it's falling apart. 
And I don't want you to miss that tonight because I know it can seem kind of negative. And I know that I can come across sometimes kind of negative. But God can work in your life even when it's falling apart. I mean, Jeremiah is being carried captive to a country that he didn't want to go to by people that won't listen. This, this is like the ultimate slap in the face. I told you not to go. and Now you're dragging me with you. And if you've ever went anywhere in your life, you've probably felt that way. Someone else's sin is dragging you along. Absolutely. But listen to what it says here in verses 8 through 13. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. God was still speaking to Jeremiah even though no one was listening to him. Even though no one was obeying what he had told them from God. Saying, take large stones in your hand and hide them in the sight of the men of Judah in the clay in the brick courtyard which is at the entrance to Pharaoh's house and Taphnaeus, and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden. And he will spread this royal pavilion over them. When he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death and to captivity those appointed for a captivity, and to the sword those appointed for the sword. <coughs> I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. And he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd puts on his garment. And he shall go out from there in peace. He shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh, that are in the land of Egypt and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians he shall burn with fire. I want you to take these two things, these two little nuggets as we close. One, God does not stop working in the lives of his children just because of the danger and the drama and the difficulty that you're going through. And as a church, I want us to think about this tonight. We have been blessed every week for I don't know how many weeks to see someone saved. Lucas got to watch his oldest daughter get saved Sunday after church. I've had the privilege of watching people join our church, Rosemary. We've had the people of we've had the privilege of watching people follow the Lord in baptism every week. We've had new families coming. Think of the Webbs, think of the Morbers, I think of so many others. In the midst of a time when the government says you shouldn't even go to church, you shouldn't worship, shouldn't sing. And I'm not saying they're wrong on the health guidelines, please don't think that. God just keeps blessing. That's not saying we might not all have to shut down next week and lock ourselves in home, who knows. But God is blessing. You say, well, Jake, what about the political climate? Don't even get me started on the political climate. But God's still saving. God's still raising money for missions. God's still sending missionaries. God's still at work. Maybe today you're here and it's more close to home. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe one of you right now really wants to serve the Lord and you want to honor Him and your spouse doesn't. And it's like, how can God speak and use me when there's this friction at home? God can just keep speaking to you. You see, that's why the church is wonderful because it's corporate worship. And when someone tells me that the Bible doesn't require corporate worship and that corporate worship doesn't matter, they're lying. And they are not honoring God. But you know what the great thing about salvation is? It is an individual thing. I'm saved from my sins. God is my personal Savior. And so I can worship Him when no one else does at my place of employment. I can worship Him and honor Him even if no one else at church will. I can honor and worship Him no matter what the enemy is trying to do to me. 
Because not only did God speak to Jeremiah, He had a task for him. And I want you just to think this just very, very quickly. Everything Jeremiah has preached, the people have not listened. (laughs) Nothing. As a preacher, from earthly results, Jeremiah was a failure. His congregation was wiped out. Not only that, he is now being drug along in their sin with them. He could have just said, fine, you all want to go to Egypt? Come on down. I'm going to stay right here. I give give him permission by the who's who of Babylon to live where I want. But they didn't. They drug him with them. And you would think in the middle of that, that's where you quit. I've worked and served and served and worked for God all these years and nothing. And one more time, God says, I've got a word for you and I've got a task for you. And so, friends, no matter how much you think that you've failed God, how much you've not been effective for God, how many years you've wasted for God, how many decisions you've made that you think have hindered how God can use you, look up here. He can use you if He's carrying you into slavery. What's your excuse? You say, well, I'm just not as healthy as I once was. God has a purpose. You say, well, Jake, I just, I've made so many mistakes. How could God ever use someone like me? It's called forgiveness. And so tonight I just want to leave you with this word of hope that God can work in your life no matter what's going on. See, most of us think that it's got to be perfect, right? I had this conversation with a man that I preached his grandma funeral last week. He said, Jake, I just got a few more things to get lined up in my life and I'll be at church. He said, I quit drinking, but he said, I got some other things in my life I got to get rid of before I come to church. I said, man, you are doing it backwards. You just come on. God will take care of that stuff. If your heart's really in the right place, He'll take that desire for this and He'll change that living situation. God will take care of that. You come on. He said, well, I just, I don't, that's just not the way I think it works. And in that moment, I was very proud of myself. I said, well, I'll be praying for you. What I want to say is, well, I don't care what your way of thinking is. You're wrong. <laughs> but just think about that tonight. Well, I can't teach Sunday school because I've got a stuttering problem or, or I, I, I can't go on a mission trip because I don't know a foreign language. I preach every Sunday and I don't even know English, all right? <laughs> Very well. But, uh, but tonight I just want you to think about that. Do not think that your usefulness to God is dependent on the search of circumstances that are surrounding you. God uses you based on your relationship with Him. You repent, you get right, you seek His face, And trust that God can do great and amazing things.